39. Mbanizit. The appetite is impaired. There is general debility. And the patient is nervous and irritable. The complexion becomes sallow. The skin dry and rough. The tongue dark colored. And the body emaciated. The affection may be the sequel of neglected or badly treated acute diarrhea. May arise from the injudicious use of powerful purgative medicines. May result from dissipation. And wholesome food. Bad air. Absence of light. Long continued exposure to dampness and cold. Overwork. And extreme mental anxiety. Sometimes it is associated with other diseases. Such as Bright's disease of the kidneys. Scurvy. Or some of the various forms of scrofulous disease. The more prominent symptoms are so apparent and so characteristic that the most unskilled may be able to decide whether the patient has chronic diarrhea, but to determine in what portion of the intestinal canal the affection is chiefly seated, to decide upon the extent of its ravages, to ascertain what peculiar shade or type the affection has taken on, to investigate its complications and modifications, to ferret out its producing or aggravating causes, and above all, to nicely and skillfully adjust remedies to meet the depraved conditions, is by no means an easy task. Even for the educated and experienced physician, it should be borne in mind that this is a dangerous malady, and one which should not be trifled with or neglected. Its tendency is to corrode and destroy the bowels, a process which if unchecked, must sooner or later result in death. There is little tendency to spontaneous recovery, nor is a removal of the exciting cause often followed by recovery. The disease becomes so firmly seated, and the powers of life so debilitated, that nature cannot rally. Treatment. A warm, salt bath, several times a week, taken at that time, is beneficial. Flannel should be worn next to the skin, and the sleeping room should be warm and well ventilated, as will be seen from testimonials herein after inserted. Dr. Pierce's golden medical discovery has achieved great success in curing chronic diarrhea. Its use should be persisted in for a considerable time to strengthen and tone up the bowels, to relieve the discharges. Take Drive Pierce's compound extract of smart weed, as needed from time to time. Chronic inflammation of the liver, chronic hepatitis. This is what is ordinarily termed liver complaint, torpid liver, and bilious disorder. Under this head may be considered all those chronic affections known as congestion, induration, and enlargement of the liver and which result in deficient action, functional derangement, morbid secretion of bile, and various chronic affections, symptoms, owing to the liability of other organs to become diseased during the progress of chronic affections of the liver. Great precision in diagnosis is required to determine, by the symptoms, the organ which is primarily diseased and those secondarily affected. This requires not only familiarity with the signs of a complicated disease, but also thorough anatomical knowledge of the diseased organ, of the morbid changes which occur in its structure, and their influence on its own functions, as well as on those of other organs. The symptoms may differ according to the circumstances, temperament, sex, age, or constitution of the individual, and the complications of the disease. The local indications are fullness of the right side, thus denoting congestion of the liver, a dull, heavy pain which is increased by pressure or by lying on the left side, a sense of fullness, weight, and oppression about the stomach, an aching in the right shoulder blade, a dull, disagreeable pain in the shoulder joint, which may extend down the arm, and which is sometimes felt in the wrist and joints of the hand not infrequently the complexion becomes pale and sallow, and there is poofiness under the eye, headache, a bitter taste in the mouth, tongue coated white or covered with a brown fur, 
and hardness of the gums, there is frequent sighing, a hacking cough, fever, restlessness, and loss of sleep, sometimes an unnatural, greasy appearance of the skin, at others, it is dry and harsh, has scaly or branny eruptions, pimples, dark blotches, and troublesome itching, the urine is frequently scanty and high-colored, but variable as to quantity and appearance, it often produces a scalding sensation when voided, and, if allowed to stand, deposits a sediment which sometimes contains albumin, the pulse is very slow, particularly when the elements of the bile are not eliminated from the blood, the pulsations of the heart are easily quickened, and palpitation is excited if the subject be low and anemic, there is depression of spirits, and a decided tendency to be discouraged and despondent, the functional powers of the stomach are impaired, there is loss of appetite, or it becomes capricious, an easiness is felt in the region of the stomach, oppression, sometimes nausea and water brash, or there is indigestion, flatulency, and acid irritations, the bowels become irregular, usually constipated, and occasionally subject to obstinate diarrhea attended with colicky pains, the stools are of a light clay color, sometimes hard and dark, again thin and very offensive, and occasionally green or black, as the disease progresses, during the day the circulation is sluggish, the feet and hands are cold, but at night the pulse is accelerated, and a burning sensation is felt in the palms of the hands and the soles of the feet. The foregoing symptoms are not all present in one case, nor are any two cases alike in every respect. They vary according to the organs most implicated in the hepatic derangement. Thus, when chronic inflammation of the liver is associated with heart disease, the subject may have palpitation, excessive or defective action of the heart, attended with more or less pain and shortness of breath. If the lungs be specially influenced, then, in addition to the ordinary hepatic symptoms, there may be a dry cough, asthma, hurried respiration, bronchitis, hoarseness, and pain in the chest. If the stomach be the sympathizing organ, the tongue is coated white or brown, there is nausea, loss of appetite, flatulency, acidity, dyspepsia, fullness, and oppression, amounting, sometimes, to pain in the stomach after taking food. The food ferments and gives rise to irritations and various other manifestations of disorder. If the bowels are morbidly influenced by this affection, there is constipation or diarrhea, griping pain, distension of the abdomen, piles, and pain just within the points of the hips, thus indicating irritation of the colon. If the brain or nervous system sensitively responds, there is headache, dizziness, disturbed sleep, depression of spirits, peevishness, capriciousness lack of energy, irritability, and congestive symptoms, when the skin is involved the surface is dry, harsh, and scaly, displaying dark, moth spots, blotches, or numerous little sores, and the countenance has a dull, tiny look, if the kidneys be disturbed by it, there may be pain and a sensation of weight in the back, while the urine may be scanty and high-colored, or abundant, pale, and limpid, frequently charged with sedimentary products of disease and voided with difficulty, if the womb be implicated in this chronic affection, the menstrual function may be deranged, and result in an excessive or a deficient monthly flow, and be followed by profuse leucorrhea, the preceding allusion to the complications of chronic inflammation of the liver shows the necessity of clearly distinguishing between the symptoms of this disorder and those reflected by the organs which sympathetically respond, to discriminate more effectually and place the correctness of the diagnosis beyond doubt. We make a chemical and microscopical examination of the urine, 
and thereby detect the morbid products which it contains, and direct our attention to the diseased organs furnishing them. These examinations together with a complete history of the case, enable us to make a correct and definite diagnosis of the disease, and the extent to which it has affected the other organs, before entering upon the consideration of treatment. Let us briefly enumerate the functions of the liver, first, it removes matter, which, if allowed to remain in the blood, would become noxious and unfitted for the further support of the body. Secondly, by secreting bile, it furnishes to the digestive organs a fluid which assists in converting the food into chyle, stimulates the intestine to action, and then is itself transformed and absorbed with the chylase products, after which it circulates with the blood and assists in nutrition until, becoming injurious and pernicious, it is re-secreted and re-elaborated to serve again, as described, for its growth and nourishment. The liver is furnished with blood by the hepatic artery, but for the purpose of secretion and depuration, it is abundantly supplied with venous blood by the portal system, which is made up of veins from the spleen, stomach, pancreas, and intestines. This impure, venous blood, surcharged with biliary elements, which must be withdrawn from it, is freely poured into the minute network of this glandular organ. In a healthy condition of the liver, the carbonaceous elements of the blood are converted into sugar and the constituents of the bile are liberated by the liver, and set apart for further duties. When it fails to eliminate these noxious elements from the blood, it is itself thoroughly vitiated by them. Treatment. Food must be rich in carbon in order that it may build up the tissues and keep the body warm. But carbonic acid, the result of the combustion, must be removed from the blood, or death will ensue. So bile is necessary to digestion, nutrition, and life, yet. If it be not separated from the blood by the secreting action of the liver, it will as surely poison the system and destroy life as carbonic acid. Although the constituents of the bile exist in the blood, they must be removed in order that the blood may be rendered more fit to support the body, while the secreted bile is destined to assist in digestion, and the mysterious process of nutrition. Therefore, we should induce a secretion of bile, and restore the normal activity of the liver. This should be done not by administering stimulants, but by relieving it of all contingent embarrassments as far as possible. Would anyone think of giving to a weak, debilitated man large portions of brandy to enable him to work? Does not everyone know that, when the unnatural stimulus is removed, he fails? Apply this principle in the treatment of the liver, when harsh, and natural stimulants and, while driving, medicines are administered for a time and then withheld. The liver relapses into a more torpid and debilitated condition than before treatment was begun. Is not this true of nine-tenths of all who suffer from this malady, and have recourse to this class of remedies? Then how can we remedially fulfill the preceding indications? We answer in the language of a distinguished author and standard medical writer, by using a class of agents which should never be overlooked in the treatment of long-standing liver diseases, chiefly addressed to the blood and denominated alteratives. Alteratives tonics, and restorative catalytics are required not only in diseases of the liver, but in a large number of ailments in which the blood becomes charged with morbid materials. The active remedial properties of the most efficient agents of the above classes of medicine now known, are scientifically combined in the golden medical discovery, which acts especially upon the blood, and hence influences the system generally. It is also powerful in eliminating those morbid humors which are afterwards subjected to excretion through various organs. Its action is radically different from most medicines employed in chronic diseases, for the reason, that what is usually prescribed, 
is something corrosive, unless the disease be temporary, it may return with increased violence. We have been very minute in the description of the remedial properties of the golden medical discovery, and have relied upon the reason and intelligence of our patrons, believing that they can, in a degree, understand why we deem it so applicable to the system. It does not debilitate the liver by overstimulation, nor irritate the stomach and bowels by disturbing the delicate processes of digestion, neither does it act with severity upon the blood, but it operates so gently, insensibly, and yet with so much certainty, that it excites the surprise and admiration of the patient. From the careful detail of its various properties, there is abundant reason for its favorable action upon all of the excretory organs which company operate in the removal of morbid materials from the system. If, however, the bowels are unusually sluggish or obstinately constipated, it is advisable, in conjunction with the golden medical discovery, to use the pleasant pellets, which are also powerfully alterative. Besides being mild and unirritating in their operation, they are the natural assistants of the discovery, working harmoniously together. They should be taken in small doses, and their use perseveringly followed until the bowels are properly regulated by the use of the discovery alone. It has been customary to resort to powerful drastic cathartics, followed by bitters prepared in dilute alcohol. The habit is unscientific, for it is well known that alcohol deranges the functions of the digestive organs and depraves the blood, besides creating a morbid appetite. It has been repeatedly demonstrated that the use of such bitters has led to a life of drunkenness, with all the woe and untold misery which attend it. Medicines to be strictly remedial, should exert a tonic influence upon all the vital processes, those organs which are contiguous to the liver, or connected by sympathy with it, should be assisted in the performance of their functions, persons who are habitually subject to bilious attacks are pleased to find that the use of the discovery and pellets furnishes immunity from such onsets, and prevents their usual recurrence, thus these remedies are preventive as well as curative. What we have thus far recommended for the treatment of this chronic affection is within the reach of every family. Patients laboring under this disease, when complicated with other affections, require special consideration and treatment, and all such are counseled to employ only those physicians whose experience and success entitle them to confidence. Health is one of the greatest of blessings, and how to restore it when lost, is a question of vital importance. Having successfully treated thousands of invalids who have suffered from this chronic affection, we possess abundant evidence of the curability of the disease, but we have only space to publish a few letters from persons who have been under our care, or who have used our medicines, purchased from druggists, constipation, costiveness, health depends very largely upon the regularity of the bowels, there should be proper alvine evacuations every day. There are few persons who have not suffered at some period of their lives from constipation of the bowels, inattentive to the calls of nature, or a neglect to irregularly attend to this important duty, sooner or later, produces disastrous results. Furthermore, it is essential to the comfort of every individual, for, when this function is not performed, there is derangement of the mental as well as of the bodily organs, constipation, or costiveness, as it is sometimes termed is a functional derangement of the large intestine. This intestine is about 5 feet in length, and consists of the cocoon, colon, and rectum. It serves as a temporary reservoir for the excrementitial residue of elementary matter, and for the effete materials excreted by the glands contained in its mucous coats. It is distinguished as the large intestine, because of its great size, 
habitual constipation produces many derangements, resulting from sympathy, irritation, or mechanical obstruction. By referring to figures 4 and 9, the reader may observe the anatomical relations which the large intestine sustains to the other abdominal organs. The ascending colon arises in the cocoon figure 4, at the lower part of the abdomen, and passes over the kidney on the right side, where it begins a circuitous route around the abdominal cavity, comes in contact with the inferior surface of the liver, proceeds behind and below the large curvature of the stomach, emerges on the left side, and passes downward in front of the left kidney, where it dips into the pelvic cavity, and ends in the rectum, if fetal matters are retained until they are decomposed. Great injury follows, since the fluid portions are absorbed, conveyed into the blood, and, of necessity, corrupted with their impurities. In this way, constipation may be the source of general derangement, but such disorder is seldom attributed to the torpid state of this intestine. There is little doubt but that it thereby imposes a great tax upon the functions of the liver, and, frequently, the fault is attributed to that organ instead of the large intestine. Sometimes the blood becomes so charged with fecal matter that its odor can be detected in the breath of the subject. An overloaded condition of the large intestine may cause inflammation of the liver or dropsy of the abdomen. When the colon is distended, it becomes a mechanical impediment to the free circulation of the blood in other organs, and causes congestion of the portal system, predisposing to chronic inflammation or cirrhosis of the liver. This latter is a structural affection, and may, in turn, give rise to abdominal dropsy. In a word, the accumulation of feces in the colon irritates both the large and small intestines, thus causing congestion of the bowels, liver, or stomach. The protracted presence of feculent matter deadens the sensibility of the intestine, so that great stimulation is required to provoke it to action. The contents become dry, solid, knotty, and hard, and very difficult to evacuate. If drastic, irritating physic be taken, only temporary relief is afforded and it must be repeatedly resorted to, and the dose increased, to obtain the desired effect. Symptoms. One diagnostic symptom of a loaded state of the colon, is an abundant secretion of urine, as limpid as water. The direct symptoms relate to the hardness of the feces and the great difficulty avoiding them. The influence of constipation upon the functions of the liver, is indicated by the sympathy displayed between that organ and the mind. The patient manifests apprehension, mental depression, taciturnity and melancholy, all indicative of hypochondriac dejection, induced by constipation, we have treated patients, who, from this cause, had renounced their bright hopes, lost their buoyant spirits, and, becoming subject to superstitious fears, had given themselves up, night and day, to devotions and penance, it often happens that the victims of this deep dejection and morbid feeling of self-abasement, are persons not only of good moral character, but of high religious attainments, and their painful exhibitions of fear, distrust, and gloom, originate in physical rather than in spiritual causes. It is interesting to witness this strange perversion of the imagination, this morbid debasement of the religious faculties, and dejection of mind, due to causes disturbing the functions of the liver and other vital organs. Young girls, as they approach the age of puberty, seem possessed with the idea that the unfrequent action of the bowels is a desirable habit. They do not associate with the duty a proper regard for health, but consider it as an inelegant and repugnant practice. The consequence island that at this susceptible period, constipation, induced by neglect, arouses a latent hepatic or pulmonary disease which has been lurking in the system, 
How many girls illustrate the truth of this statement by their complaints of dizziness, throbbing pain in the forehead and temples, flushing of the face, transient flushes of heat over the body, while at the same time the extremities are cold, at other times, they manifest the evils of such a course by their stupor, drowsiness, and deep sleep, although upon arising in the morning, they are still tired and unrefreshed, the constipated condition of the bowels, often leads to congestion of the uterus and leucorrhea, followed by uterine debility, prolapses, excessive menstruation, and eversion or retroversion of that organ, the infrequency of the habit, incorrectly supposed to be desirable by a young woman, becomes nearly, if not quite disastrous to all her desires and bright prospects, complications arise, and neither the inexperienced girl nor her solicitous and afflicted parents know where to look for remedial aid, if they seek an asylum from these sufferings, they find many private institutions, where flattering expectations of speedy recovery are aroused, at such institutions, these uterine disorders are generally treated merely as local diseases, while the causes are overlooked, and, consequently, a permanent cure is not effected, having spent nearly all the money at her command, the patient returns home utterly disheartened, after such failures, many of these unfortunate individuals had applied to us and received treatment, and by persistently following our directions, had in due time been restored to health, amid all the comforts of home, and among friends, who rejoiced with them in the unexpectedly favorable turn of affairs, accomplished at a comparatively trifling expense, we have seen infants, and also young children, in whom constipation was obstinate, it therefore seems that it is often hereditary, in some persons, this affection continues from childhood, with but little variation, until bleeding pile tumors are developed, habitual constipation of the bowels for a long period of years will generate a class of diseases, which are often very serious in their results, causes, we have already alluded to a sense of false modesty which prevents a response to the calls of nature, and we may mention other reasons, equally trifling, which deter many from fulfilling its demands, some are in the habit of temporarily postponing their visits to the water closet, until, when they do go, they find themselves unable to evacuate the bowels, sometimes the closet is a damp, and comfortable outhouse, situated at a distance from the dwelling, or the access is too public, and, hence, there is an unwillingness to visit it at the proper time, some appear to be too indolent to attend to this duty, others are too energetic, and think they cannot take the time, until they have finished some self-imposed task or attended to a pressing engagement, inactive life and sedentary occupations are also causes of constipation, active exercise promotes all the bodily functions, and helps to regulate the bowels, those who are engaged in literary pursuits, find that mental occupation determines the blood to the brain, thus drawing it from the extremities, the temperature falls below the natural standard, and there is almost invariably congestion of the bowels, the inmates of boarding schools, factory girls, seamstresses, milliners, employees in manufacturing establishments, and all who sit and toil almost unremittingly 12 hours in the day, do not get sufficient exercise of all the muscles of the body, and are often troubled with obstinate constipation, food prepared according to the modern modes of cookery, is one of the causes which favors the development of this derangement, people live too exclusively upon bolted wheat flour, the branny portion of a kernel of wheat consists of various nutritive elements, with more than five times the amount of phosphate of lime contained in fine bolted flour, those who daily use boiled cracked wheat are not troubled by constipation, 
there is no dryness or hardness of the feces, and the bowels are evacuated without discomfort. Treatment. Prevention is always better than cure, hence, a few hygienic directions may not be amiss. Do not disregard the intimations of nature, but promptly respond to her calls. If there is constipation, overcome it by establishing the habit of making daily efforts to effect a movement of the bowels, taking regular exercise by walking, and lightly percussing or kneading the bowels for five minutes daily, help to increase their activity. The habit of early rising favors the natural action of the bowels. Drinking a glass of water on rising exerts a beneficial influence. The food should be such as will excite the mucus secretion of the large intestines, and arouse its muscles to action. For this purpose, there is no one article that excels coarsely cracked boiled wheat, graham bread, mush, cakes, gems, and all articles of diet made from unbolted wheat flour are valuable auxiliaries, and may be prepared to suit the taste. Take the meals at stated hours, be punctual in attendance, regular in eating, and thoroughly masticate your food. Irregularity in the intervals between eating, disturbs the functions of the intestine. The use of ripe fruits, such as apples, pears, grapes, figures and prunes, in proper quantities, is sometimes very beneficial. Trivial or unimportant as these hygienic suggestions may appear, yet were they observed, constipation as well as most of the diseases incident to it, would be obviated. A large proportion of the cases will yield to the foregoing hygienic treatment without the employment of medicines, should it be necessary. However, to employ an appearant to relieve the constipation, Dr. Pierce's golden medical discovery will act most congenially, and will be followed by no constipating reaction, which invariably occurs when drastic cathartics are employed. Its operation is mild bringing about a healthy action by promoting the biliary and other secretions, thus aiding nature in establishing normal functional activity in the bowels. Recourse should be had to it before employing anything more strongly cathartic. However, should it prove too mild in its appearant effects, small doses of drive pierces pleasant pellets may be employed daily to assist it, and like other cathartics, they produce a secondary tonic effect upon the bowels, which renders their influence more lasting than that of other purgatives. We cannot too strongly discourage the injurious custom which many people had of frequently scouring out their bowels with strong cathartics. It is a bad practice, and cannot fail to do injury. The greatest benefit is derived, not from cathartic doses, but from taking only one or two of the pellets per day, or enough to keep the bowels regular, and continuing their use for several weeks, in connection with Drive Pierce's golden medical discovery. Strictly carrying out the hygienic treatment heretofore advised, the medical treatment of individual cases sometimes involves many considerations relative to the particular circumstances and complications presented, the peculiar susceptibility of the constitution, as well as the diseases incident to constipation, must be taken into account. Symptomatic derangement should not be treated as primary, although it is by inexperienced physicians, if the patient be afflicted with uterine disease, piles, nervous affections, falling of the lower bowel, or fistula, they should be treated in connection with this disease. For these reasons, we would advise our readers to submit all complicated cases, or those that do not yield to the course heretofore advised, to a physician of large experience in the management of chronic diseases, and not assume the great responsibility and the dire consequences which are very liable to arise from the improper treatment of such cases. We have been called upon to treat thousands of cases of this troublesome affection, and as a result of our vast experience, 
and in consequence of our original and improved methods of diagnosis, it is not generally necessary that we should see and examine the patient in person. We can almost always determine the exact nature of the patient's malady, and its stage of advancement, without seeing the subject in person. Piles. Hemorrhoids. There are few maladies more common than this, and few which are more annoying. Piles consist of tumors formed within the rectum and about the anus, by dilatation of the hemorrhoidal veins and thickening of their walls. Sometimes, when attended by considerable inflammation, or when the attacks are very frequent, there is thickening of the adjacent cellular and mucous tissues. There are two general forms of this disease, the external or blind piles, in which the tumors are outside the anus, and the internal or bleeding piles, in which the tumors are formed within the sphincters. Although after their formation they may protrude, the external piles are commonly made up of thick tissues, upon one side, the skin forms the covering, while on the inner surface is the mucous membrane of the bowel, it is the surface which is most tender and irritable and liable to inflammation, the internal form of the disease is situated from a half an inch to two and a half inches above the sphincter muscle of the anus, the tumors are usually round, oval or cylindrical in form, they may be scattered over the surface of the bowel or clustered together. The illustrations figures 1 and 2 show the two forms of the disease. The two protruding tumors in figure 2 illustrate the usual form of prolapsing internal piles, whilst the one highest up in the bowel shows the form most commonly met with. It is seldom that one pile tumor is found alone, there usually being two or three, and sometimes as many as five or six, in a cluster. Figure 3 shows the manner of distribution of the veins in the rectal region. The small venous loops or bulb-like terminations of the veins H are the points at which the piles most frequently occur. Causes, whatever tends to favor an undue accumulation of blood in the hemorrhoidal veins predisposes to piles. For this reason the affection is frequently a result of diseases of the heart and liver, which cause an obstruction in the circulation of the blood through the portal vein. Mechanical pressure from tumors in the abdomen, pregnancy, or an enlarged or misplaced uterus, is not infrequently a cause of the disease. By keeping the hemorrhoidal veins over distended, those diseases which provoke much straining, as stricture, inflammation or enlargement of the prostate gland, and stone in the bladder are also active causative agents. The most common cause of all, however, is constipation, and persons of indolent, sedentary and luxurious habits of life are the ones most frequently affected with this derangement. The following are also prolific causes of piles, viz. pelvic tumors. Violent horseback exercise, indigestion, pregnancy, habitual use of drastic cathartics, diarrhea, dysentery, sitting on heated cushions, long-continued standing posture, diseases of the liver, worms, the wearing of tight corsets, eating highly seasoned or indigestible food, and the use of alcoholic stimulants, no A.